Hello beautiful, welcome to the Mama Mindful Podcast, a space to find inspiration, learn, be seen and heard, and most importantly, to remember that we are not alone in this journey. Hello my loves and welcome back to another episode of the Mama Mindful Podcast. I am so grateful to have you here and absolutely thrilled to be sharing this interview with you. It was such an amazing interview. I mean, all of them truly are. I feel so grateful to have the opportunity to connect and have such beautiful conversations with amazing mothers. And on this episode, we get to chat with Philantha, who is a mother to a beautiful little girl, and she's also a mompreneur, and she created the program The Good and Rooted Parent which is based out of work that she was doing with Mamas One-on-One. In this program, her focus is to help other mothers heal through their own generational trauma and learn parenting techniques that might not serve them today so that they can learn new ways of being and raising their children through healing their emotional trauma and also through shifting perspectives, learning new ways of thinking and looking at life through a complete different lens. In this interview, we will dive into Philantha's story, her experience with motherhood, which she has such a beautiful perspective and take on it. We will also talk about how we can heal generational trauma and our emotional trauma and why that is so important for us as mothers and what that means for us as mothers, how we can embody more of an unbothered mother and what that means, bits and pieces on gentle parenting and so much more. Philanta is someone who's very passionate about her work, very passionate about serving mamas and you can absolutely tell through everything that she had to share with us on this interview. So I am so excited to share it with you today and I hope that you enjoy enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having this amazing conversation with Philantha. Enjoy, Mama. Philantha, welcome to the Mama Mindful Podcast. I am so honored and grateful to have you here. And as we were saying previously, I can't wait to hear your story. I can't wait for you to share all your knowledge and with experiential wisdom with all mamas tuning in today. And I'm just, you know, so grateful to have you here. So thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor. I love what you're doing here. It's you're, you're building Mamas, a platform of, you know, international network, um, especially for women that look like us who are looking for resources now. Absolutely. Well, to begin, I would love for you to tell us more about you. Yeah. So my name is Philantha. Um, I am a second generational refugee you know, daughter. And I say that because I've lived so many different lives that at the end of the day, that's where I started. Um, And so you carry so much weight with that title. And I grew up in straight poverty. I was a white man's like poverty, the thing that they can throw at at any point. Um, And I actually had lots of experiences where I thought I was great but I was actually more like a trophy. And I thought that those were like awarding moments when really they were more so like for a white man to feel like we're a charity case. Um, And so that built a lot of weird character building when you're a child. And um, growing up, we, my mom was a single mom of seven children. I lost my dad really early. And, you know, she was resilient, you know, she could have been like, you know, we're gonna live in poverty, section nine housing, um, government assistance, this is it. 
No, she went out of her way. She found out local resources to get us young kids into programs that would help us thrive. Um, and that wasn't something that anybody taught her. I think she just knew that like having seven children is a lot and it's nice to have breaks every now and then. Um, and I grew up in the public school system. So very, you know, an inclusive, diverse community. But my life kind of takes a turn in that, like, I actually went to college. I worked in corporate, um, got married, planned my pregnancy, and now live in a wonderful house all before the age of 30. So that's a really short snapshot of, like, my childhood. But along the way was just a lot of carried weight of emotional trauma that I think when you're put in, like, economic systems that are very, very heavy and against you. I should not be living the life that I live right now. Like the whole gentle parenting. The reason why I do what I do is because I see so many that are struggling and that got stuck in, in a cycle of negativity and emotional and physical abuse because it's a collective idea instead of it actually being an individual choice every single day to choose differently for yourself and then for your family. And I think when I became a mom, that little willpower of me just grew a little bit stronger because I knew that she was innocent. And I was also innocent with everything that mm. I came up with. Um, and I think that's the unique idea here that really started like, I have to do something. I have to give back because I hear so many people say, you know, you like, you're, you're wonderful. Like, how did you get here? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and put it all on an online course because that is my whole life story and all of my lived experiences to say like, you don't need to be another statistic and that you can, mm -hmm. you are able to choose your life and that you are good and you do have your own roots and they're yours and no one can take that away from you. And that's what makes you a better mom. That's what makes you more unbothered mom because you, you should be confident in that. Wow. So there you go. There goes the answer. <laughs> Amazing. I There's definitely a lot of things that I want to dive into. But the first thing is, did your mom instill this kind of thinking within you? Or what inspired that within you to kind of create something different for yourself? Because not everyone thinks that way. You know, like you said, everyone just kind of follows in the same footsteps and just believes that the story that they were given is their story, period. So how did you choose different? What inspired that? I love that question because that's exactly what my therapists keep asking me. <laughs> I truly don't know. Like um, my whole life, I've kind of been like the black sheep in all social environments. Um, even at home, I didn't really fit in with like my Asian community. I didn't really fit in with like my American community. I didn't really fit in anywhere. I was just kind of me. Like, um, and, and, and it wasn't just that I was trying to be unique. It's literally like, I don't know what it is, but this doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'm going to go and find mm -hmm. out what does make sense. Um, and I think every kid goes through that, especially a kid who's gone through the background that I have. I think along the line, they just, their self-esteem gets shot over and over mm -hmm. again. That is good to get back up every single time. Um, and I think maybe it was the fact that my mom, everything I just said about my mom, that wasn't even a realization of mine until five years ago when I was then an adult coming out of college and being like, you know what? I really, really, really can't resent my mom. She truly, mm -hmm. truly did love me in the most 
unforgivable way, but there was love there and she did try, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that end of the day, she is her own woman and having me become my mom, it was having, I think it was like when I, when my daughter turned six months and I was like, I get it. I get it now. I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so much love and you truly do you are trying your very best even if this kid doesn't understand it like and the whole time I, I can see it now looking back because all I ever wanted from my mom was to be enough and for her to be proud of me and I know that that was something I battled for a really long time because she was also going through I think she just kind of lost herself in my dad's grief um and like that shot her self-esteem and then she felt mm-hmm. the need to get remarried and everything kind of went downhill and like her believing in who she was as a woman. We definitely saw her character just deplete from this mm-hmm. audacious, strong-willed woman who, you know, didn't really care what anybody thought, even if her, her English was totally broken. She just went and became very little, um, even to this day. And so it's it's very mind-boggling but at the end of the day there's so much love there for my mom and I know she has so much love there for me and I know that's that's definitely a battle for another day as I'm still trying to figure out the next steps in my own healing because now I'm a mom and I get to make those choices for my relationship with my daughter and I. That's so beautiful I love that I feel like once we get to kind of step into adulthood and then become mothers, we get to see our own mothers in like a whole different light and see them as like a woman, like for who they are, rather than just this label that we've put on with all these expectations of you are my mother, you're supposed to be so and so. And I feel like when we come to that realization, so much heals within us. Cause then I think we kind of realize that it's not, it wasn't our fault, you know? Like they were just going yeah. through their own thing. Yeah. Like as if the fourth trimester isn't hard enough with your hormones imbalancing oh and your gosh, yeah. so unrealized like, wow, my mom truly, truly, truly loved me from the bottom of her heart. Yeah. Even though the relationship went way sour, it's like, mm-hmm. I see why she made the decisions that she did with the best that she knew. Yeah. I think that's probably why I'm so passionate about what I do because there's so much compassion to it that I give my clients because mm-hmm. no one's ever given that, them that compassion. And that's something that they're battling with their own motherhood that's existing today. Um, there's not a lot of ways to navigate that as far as like going to a doctor and getting a prescription. And so I feel like having, you know, environments like yours and mine really helps build that and like build it to authenticity of finding themselves and saying, it's okay that you're a mom and you're still you. And it's okay that you're still growing. It's okay that you're figuring out uh, figuring out every single day as it is. Yeah, I think sometimes we just forget that we're all doing the best that we can because we feel like it's not good enough. <laughs> I had that realization the one day I'm like, you only feel like you're not doing enough because you're having so many expectations around what you need to do. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like if I said, okay, I just need to do this today, then that would be enough. But because I have such a long list of what the things that I need to do, I'm like, it's just not enough. I didn't do enough today, but really I did so much and I'm just not really like seeing myself, you know, which is so silly. (laughs) So what does gentle parenting look like to you and what kind of 
practices and healing modalities have you implemented in your life to kind of make this change and heal those parts of yourself and kind of embody that unbothered mother and all the things that you talk about in, in your program? So gentle parenting, I think it should be named something else because there's so many horrible like stigmas against it. And sometimes it's just so hard to be like, no, my child does not run all over me. (laughs) And even if she does, she's a whole human being. I think that says a lot about me than her. So let's start there with that conversation. Because usually I have to say that people when they start saying, oh, so you practice gentle parenting. Um, I like to call it just responsive parenting. And people are like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I respond to her as a human being respectfully. Even if I don't understand, I'll say, I I don't know what you're saying, honey. I can see that you're really trying. And let's try that again. Can you draw it? Can you show me? Without, you know, I'm giving her ways to communicate and I'm giving her that structure while understanding that I'm calm and I really am trying to help her so that there's more of that collaboration instead of that innate need to I don't know, control her or feel like yeah. she's less than because she has less resources. Um, but I mean, biologically it makes sense. So to answer your question, I would say like, I think it starts off with like information, like being curious and allowing yourself to be curious about what is this method that new parents, this modern parenting looks like and why is there such a need? Um, how I implement it is I do a lot of inner work uh, in my program, I do like mother, the mother, and then I do like raising the children because you, I feel like in a lot of parenting, you forget that you come first before your children because your kids are going to be looking at you to model everything that you want them to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a very big ask, but at the same time, don't let it overwhelm you because you just want them to be good people. And so it starts with believing that you're a good human and that you are a good mom. And once that's modeled and that's implemented, then you can start showing that to your child. Because even when you're having horrible moments where you may yell, you may need to walk away for five minutes with no explanation, because we all have those moments. Um, It allows you to say, hey, I'm human and I'm having a human response. And that's what I'm gonna tell my, my kid, that I'm having a human response. My anger, my irritation, does not mean that you deserved it. It means that mama just needed to control it a little bit better. And that's something I'm working on. It allows it to have an honest conversation while still building that relationship and asking for a connection because that's all that they're ever asking from you just to connect with them. They're learning everything so much and you are literally their lifeline for the longest time. Even after they're way older, they will still come to you for everything because you're their first teacher and Sometimes that starts with yourself first. Sometimes you have to reteach yourself because even as adults, we're still learning things. Um, and I think you need to reflect on how you grew up really helps you implement the gentle parenting even more. It gives you a little bit more grace and answers a lot of your, for my clients, it answers a lot of like their second, third, fourth, fifth questions of like, but why this? Or how do we do that? Um it's not really about them. It's a lot about you. Um, and I think mm-hmm. so implementing gentle parenting for yourself. So the idea of reparenting is key. I think when it comes to just learning how to parent kindly, respectfully and humanly is the better response. 
what do you think sets up a mom for success with gentle parenting? Like, I know that when I meditate in the morning, my responses are completely different <laughs> in the day. So, you know, along with doing the inner work, like, are there any practices that you think help you like remain centered so that you can respond instead of react? Yeah, definitely breathing exercises. I think everybody knows that, but nobody really knows how it works. Uh, mm -hmm. Meditation is great. It doesn't have to have to be this crunchy, earthy thing. It could be zoning out on TikTok for 10 minutes in the morning, knowing that you're not mm -hmm. really watching it. And you're more so making a to-do list in your head. It allows that automatic brain to go into the consciousness in the morning. And once you turn on that switch, that's where you can really be in control. Because as the adult, your brain can do that. And the more you practice doing small little strategies like that, the more it becomes a forefront. Um, and it also helps when you don't have that, you know, 45 minutes in the morning to meditate or you know, do breathing exercises or shower or something to stimulate once your five senses to really ignite that change. Um, it allows you to still stay calm because you know what that should look like and you know mm -hmm. have a better acknowledgement because you work so hard on the consistency of strategizing consciousness. Absolutely. And I think it's also just like you said in the beginning, it's just a consistent choice. And eventually your brain will be rewired and that'll just be your like reaction in a way, you know, like you're reacting because it's just kind of a conditioned behavior at this point, but you're still just responding because you're present, if that makes sense. Right. So, Yeah, you're bringing yourself out of this long time sleep mode of, of just surviving your fight, flight or fawn mode. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. that's a human thing and that's okay to have. Um, it's not okay when that now rules every single aspect of your life. And that's, um, I noticed for me, like that was a turning point. Like, why do I still feel like I'm in like, like a, like I'm 10 sometimes where I can't make these decisions when I do have to, like, I do, I'm the one who has to pick up my daughter. Like my mom's not going to be the one picking her up. You know what I mean? Like your brain for so long has learned how to pick up on all of these cues to keep you safe. I also believe you can also learn to unlearn that. In the process of unlearning that, you're learning something new. So just consistency to choose you first and choose consciousness first. Absolutely. So we've touched a little bit on your work, but I would love to dive deeper into the Good and Rooted Parent, which is kind of the whole system that you've built. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear more about that and the work that you're doing with mamas. So the Good and Rooted Parent, it started off when my husband was deployed. So last year, um, I was under so much stress and I was under so much grief of him gone, like a whole person's gone. But like he's not kind of morbid, but he's not dead, but it feels a lot like it. But I still like it's not really helpful when I have conversations because his his priority is not me and my priority is not him, but we're in a marriage you know, so it was last year was really tough and um, a lot of negative emotions and a lot more management. And it wasn't management that I could even call for. Just it's similar to parenting, like the first six months, no one can really tell you how it's going to go until you're there. Um, 
And I needed a distraction. Like it was a good distraction. I, I, I hated when people said like, how are you doing? How can I help you? It's like, how can I help you? Tell me about your life. Tell me how that's going. Cause my life is miserable. Nothing you can do is going to bring back my husband right now. And you can't do it the way I do it. So like, tell me about your life. And, you know, I built a lot of mama friendships through that. And um, I think just with having planned my daughter and having planned, you know, being a wife and a mom and everything, being very type A and perfectionist here, um, I did a lot of pre-work. So when my husband was deployed, um, I just was giving out information as I usually do, just because I'm always like, I know what it feels like to be lonely. I know what it feels like to be stuck. And I know what it feels like to be so helpless, helpless. And I know what it's like to not ask for help because you know that that feels like a burden, even if you try to believe and tell yourself that you're not. Um, and so I was always like, this is what's helping for me. This is how I do it. You know, like let, what works for you? Like, what do you value? How can we work with that? So in the background, the good and rooted was, you know, becoming a thing. And then last summer I was like, you know, let's just try to figure out what this is like it's a lot having like 20 friends texting me at all times. Like, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. Like, you know, you told me there was a book for that. You told me there was an article for that. Like, can you send it to me? And I was happy to, but I was burnt out. Like emotionally, I couldn't be the mom that I wanted to be despite being a solo parent. And when I was miserable, cause this is not the family that I signed up for. Um, and still not having resentment for my husband, and still unable to communicate that because he was never in a space where you could say that, you know, he was in a very survival state um, where emotions was very much in the back of his brain. And it's really hard for me to bring it forward when all that I was feeling was emotions. And so helping other mamas was an outlet. Um, and once I was taking one-on-ones, I realized how much compassion I have. And I realized how good and rooted I have done so much work on myself that I was like, you know, I can't keep, like it was affecting how I mother. It was affecting my ability to like turn it off sometimes and really say mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna plan something for my daughter and I, I have to take out the trash cause it's coming tomorrow. Um, and it allowed me to stop being so hyper-focused on helping other moms, but help me be the better mom. Cause I can't help others if my, if my cup is always on empty. And, that would only make me more sad and more lonely. And that would only bring me back to why I did this in the first place. And then it was just this horrible cycle that I was like, it doesn't do me any good. It's not self-care to help other people if I'm not taking care of me. And so I started developing this online course while I was still working full-time and being a full-time mama. And my daughter is still going to school and you know, daycare full-time. Um, just in the background, just to see what it would look like. And I needed something where it would be on other people's time instead of my time, because this work was so crucial. I needed it to be just as full of quality and content as our one-on-ones without limiting it to five girls at a time, without feeling like I felt a lot of guilt of like, I can't help a lot of people. And so having an online course was able to help women at their own pace without having to feel like they need to see me all the time in order to feel better. I wanted them to really enforce the idea of unbothered mom. Like it's on your time. It's your ability to check in as many times as you want or as less times as you want. And it's there for you forever. 
having something there became like their vehicle for healing than just me without taking my life experiences and my energy away from my daughter and I and coping with my own self mental care that obviously was lacking mm-hmm. by wanting to do something good. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that's such a great, great way of thinking and like also helping so many more people too than just being so limited to, you know, only being able to do what you can handle at a time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it just gets more frustrating when I noticed that when I went from one-on-ones to online, a lot of people really wanted that one-on-one, but that was more so because their emotional trauma has always told them that they needed something physical in order for it to count as something. And I think Mm. from what I hear from the reviews of when I was testing out the product, a lot of them were saying like, wow, it's the same information. Like you did a great job because it's so full of information, but in sound bites that are only seven, nine minutes that I want to listen more, but I have enough to digest and be like, I'm okay for right now. Like I can reflect. And I personally will say that's a lot better that you can take away something in seven to nine minutes than an hour with me and having to digest that for another week, you know? And so absolutely. And I also had other mamas who were like, you know, I'm up at 3am in the morning. This helps me just talk about how I am and helps me kind of like soothe their like inner critic at like, mm. you know, is she be sleeping at this time? I'm not producing enough. Like it helped them distract themselves from um, the physical worries that they're having. And it was almost healing. And I was like, that was more than I could ever have imagined. Um, <laughs> thank you. I thought it was just, you know, like, I'm glad that other people found like support and a community in this one little product that had so much information. That's amazing. So can you walk us a little bit through the program and kind of how you walk mothers through that healing? Or is it kind of like on a case by case basis? I'm really curious to understand more of what the kind of like the outline of it is. Yeah, so the outline for the program came because of my one on ones with my mamas. I can't say enough that I needed that experience aside from my own ex- like experiences to kind of shape what this is, because as much as I want to say like, Oh yeah, it's generalized information. Like I think my niche is so specific because you've gone through everything that I've gone through and we've had the conversation mm-hmm. when you walk into it and you make that decision to it's, you truly feel for the first time, like this is a good investment for you that you know is going to be good. And I can't stress enough, like when you come from like background that I have, where you're just totally disadvantaged from the systems and the people around you, it's so nice to just have something that is good. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where the title came from. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> how it works is I walk you through, I have my outline here. I walk you through um, mothering the mother and it's about learning, unlearning and pretty much choosing to choose put you first as a mom. And then the second part is raising your child autonomous, respectfully and kind, similar in that order. It's three phrases. It's late. It'll be there and we can correct it in the bio. Um, But the first one talks a lot here. Let me just bring up the outline here. 
Oh, I do have it. It's on my main screen. <laughs> okay. So the first one for mothering the mother, we walk through the cost of being the good kid. And that goes through self-trust, leveling out irrational fears of consequences, confidence in asking for help, denial as a defaulted coping skill, emotional regulation versus emotional codependency, and raising the white flag. And then the second one is journey to mom, which talks about the imposter syndrome, doubt and denial of success. Um, that talks a lot about mindset and where it currently is and how to reset that and truly believing it in yourself. Uh, under that would be a problem solving, problem solving in action as far as like the definition and then like a work guide so you can see it and how it actually looks. Um, Cause I noticed that the reason why moms get stuck a lot is they don't know how to solve things. Cause they're so stressed out, even if they answer right in front of them. But like, yeah. how do you learn that when you are stuck in that? Um, that fight or flight. <laughs> it blocks yeah, you completely. Yeah. And like, yeah. Like, don't, you don't like your brain is literally disconnected. And you, how do you know what you don't know until after it's happened? And I, and I talk a lot about that and what problem solving can look like over time. Cause I noticed that in a lot of the bad parenting, it's like, here's a solution. This is how it should work for every single time. And that's not how it works. It, the solution is the mindset. So that allows you yeah. to problem solve specifically every single time it happens for you. And then also for your child. Therefore it goes back to keep being able to keep yourself calm and being able to find acceptance if things don't go exactly the way you want it to. And more likely your child would be telling you that too and making sure yeah. you're okay. And uh, going more in depth of mothering the mother, it's journey to mom. So I talk about, I think I just said this, but it's the imposter syndrome doubt, you know, success. Yeah, I just said that. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is meaning of emotional boundaries. I noticed that there's a lot of, in my community, in it's in the Hmong community, it's such a collective um, group that sometimes it's really hard to just choose you first, even when it sounds like you're having to betray somebody else. But really, that's more so a fixated conditioning that really wasn't yours in the first place. It was just more so to keep everybody in line. It was more of a survival tactic that's worked for so long. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know so much about Hmong people, but we're pretty much nomadic Asian indigenous uh, groups in Asia. And even to this day, we still don't have our own land. Um, wow. So that's, I, <laughs> I'm just like thinking of that first. Like I growing up, I moved around. I went to like 13 different schools growing up and that does so much to a human. So like to think of, you know, just your lineage and yeah. that lack of stability. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That's insane. And then, yeah. And then imagine being completely displaced. Like you're in Asia and you understand the surroundings, you adapt and everything. And then all of a sudden a war happens and now you guys are plotting a fully westernized individualistic hmm. community that doesn't really work for our ethnic group or that has views of racism and has really real ideals of white supremacy. And that's something that our, I don't know if you hear too much, but like the idea of Asian hate that happened last year, like that's not new. It's just, there's just been so much that's happened and 
because we're considered white passing, it's like, you should just be grateful that you're here. And that just does more damage. Like that's just like the biggest gaslighter for mamas today to be believe in themselves and raise little heroes and leaders to believe that they are enough after everything that we've gone through. And um, we're still such a small piece of the world, but that doesn't mean we're less of a human. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of want this work to go. And that's kind of why I wanted mom, like the first part of the program is focusing on the mom because in mm-hmm. order to be the parent that you want to be, you need to focus on you first. Yeah. I just, I want to ask you something really quickly because I know like when you have, when you don't have stability and then like you said, you come into a country where you're facing all of like the white supremacy and racism and all of that, like, there's a big lack of safety. So how have you created that safety for yourself? Because I know that that it's something that I'm working on myself and a lot of us are, you know, we didn't have emotional safety growing up as children, a lot of us, because our parents didn't really know how to communicate and how to hold space for us. So how did you, or are you working on healing that part of yourself so that you can also create that for your daughter? Yeah, so I've been in therapy for almost three and a half years. And that was the first time I ever was able to let go, let down my guard ever. Um, and truly just like, let it out. Like, I get very stimulated very quickly. And so to be in such a calm space, like, it wrecked my nervous system, because it was like, something's gonna happen. Like, it took me, like, I was undiagnosed depression and anxiety for five years before that. And I was just riddling with like, what can go wrong? Again, I'm in like, full on hypervigilant mode of surviving. And I didn't even know that for Mm. what 20, 25 years. Um, And then after getting therapy for like the last three and a half years now, it's like, if I would have, if somebody, if the system would have had something like this in place, it would have helped me like way earlier and then maybe we will be more successful in life and not trying to figure out how everything works as an adult, as if adulting isn't hard enough. And now I have this little one that depends on me. Like this would have been really helpful before all <laughs> yeah. this was like interlaid. Um, yeah. And so therapy was actually the first place because it's neutral. It's, phys- it's a physical place. And because it limits me to just once a week when we were starting out, it made me it forced me to have to make conscious decisions based on what I've learned instead of, you know, being told that like, look, like instead of being like manipulated and gaslighted into environments that have already reinforced my so very like victim of a manipulative situation. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. I was able to find peace for an hour with my therapist. And it was the first time that someone that I I told my story to, it wasn't a sense of disgust. It wasn't a sense of like, like I wasn't their puppet and she Mm -hmm. wasn't surprised. And it didn't make me feel like I had to please her in order to feel loved or liked or respected. Um, And so I, I think if you ask me the first session I went, I would be like, this is, this is horrible. I don't want to do this. Like it made me feel things that I didn't want to feel. I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. I did think that, but I was like, whatever, I already have a scheduled. I'm just going to go. And it wasn't until after the first year I was, I truly was like, 
I don't think I've ever had that in my whole life. And I think that's probably why I worked so well in the first year. And she just laughed because she was like, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> don't make it this far in therapy to even realize that because they believe so much of the negativity within the first like two or three because the lack of trust has been such an ingrained habitual conditioning that it's so hard to not believe that. And how do you learn how to not believe that when everything around you tells you that you should? The human brain is pretty amazing. So that's how. And um, to maintain that every day, I leave myself time to see what the full picture is. Like, even if it's just a shower or brushing my teeth, like that's me time. That's me loving me. I like my teeth. We want our teeth clean. Like it's, it's small little like sentences, like affirmations I have to tell myself that I know sounds ridiculous, but I know that's kind of how manifestations work. You know, your thought and your processes mm. and emotions is what makes out what your belief system is. Um, and in order to move forward from that, you also have to unlearn a lot of the horrible conditionings, which I did in therapy, um, which is why I felt really horrible about in order to feel better. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We light is what awaits after we go through the darkness. Darkness, like there's no way to feel better without like really feeling all those uncomfortable feelings first. There's just absolutely no way. Like if you think about, I don't know, like when you go when you're going through your cycle and maybe you're having a really emotional one and there's a lot coming up, but then once it's gone, you feel like a brand new woman. And obviously there's a lot happening hormonally, but I think like emotionally and mentally as well, you've just kind of cleared a lot and you just feel so renewed and the same when you have like just have like feel like you just have to cry and cry and kind of release a lot of emotions. It's it's the same thing. Like there's no way to feel better without really going within and tending to those things that might be uncomfortable to feel, but it's so worth it. Yeah. And what I usually like to remind, you know, those that are taking the course or those that do reach out to me or are inquiring about it is like, why do you feel like you can't trust yourself making a good decision that's supposed to make you feel good? Mm. Like, what is it that's telling you that this really isn't good? Because everything yeah. you've read, I've given you so much information. I'm here every day. <laughs> like, and then they'd be like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. That's the answer I would have thought that you said. Because, of course, you wouldn't have an answer. And that's kind of why I made yeah. this course. Like, you don't know what you don't know. And you can't really expect yeah. how it's going to go other than to trust the process. And trust that you will build more of that self-healing along the way. Um, so, I mean, you can't. What I tell people is like, you can't really go any further if you're questioning, do you not, like, if you want to buy my course, you must have seen enough to realize I made a thought and have thought about it for a while to have wanted to message me and like, trust mm-hmm. that I get an answer. And that's amazing. That's amazing that you allowed your, your mind, body and soul to make that connection enough to trust me, even with a question or even pressing send. Because um, that's a lot of work. And the, our society, I just feel like, has minimized a lot of the small things that make a, such a big deal. And that's probably why so many people feel like their emotional traumas are a little bit too big because for so long we've suppressed it and everybody, our whole society has told us not to believe it. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's crazy because like we look at trauma or emotional trauma and we think that it's only the big things. It's, you know, being in a really big accident or maybe your dad leaving you when you were really young. But like trauma can look so many different ways for different people like even something that might seem really small like it can still be trauma and it's just so good to tend to that because that can come up in so many other ways like in your day-to-day when you don't even realize it because you're just looking at it and you're saying oh that's no big deal like it happened I'm over it but really there's still a part of you that's still kind of holding on to it and hurting from it yeah and and I usually say like if you feel like you need to cry don't fight it because that's your body Mm -hmm. telling you that it's thanking you for finally allowing that thought or that memory to cross and finally get on the other side because sometimes your body crying is you working through it um the more you the more you push it down the more likely the bigger of an outcry it's gonna be so instead of 20 minutes it might be like a day two days three days (laughs) and your body has a really it's really smart it's gonna tell you what it needs whether you like it or not and um, it's whether you're going to be able to trust that for you because your, your conscious mind, your unconscious mind, your body and your soul are always working for you. It's never really working against you. And somehow we believe that it's not ours. And I think that's a very feminine idea that every woman across the world can believe in, which is that we've yeah. been learned and conditioned that what we see and what we know and what we touch on ourselves isn't ours um Mm. that's so ingrained when it comes to like again this is why i'm like you should ask the questions uh this is why it's so ingrained in like being a mom and um and for me especially having a daughter it's like the work is even deeper to raise them more capable and raise them with a voice that they believe in that they trust i couldn't agree with that more i feel like the moment that i conceived the work was like being done you know like everything was just coming to the surface and I was just giving so many opportunities to really dive in and tend to those things that I hadn't really processed and you know I'm still doing it there's just like layers upon (laughs) just when you think you're done here comes another big huge wave of emotions that need to be released but yeah I think it's definitely an opportunity to kind of I mean I want to get into this and let you kind of take take it away but just want to say like to really heal so that they don't have to experience and carry on the chains that we hold on to that aren't even ours that come from our like generation and our lineage and our mother's mother mother's mother 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 you know what I mean so uh, with that being said <laughs> why is it so important for mothers to heal their emotional trauma to really go into these things and kind of break themselves free from all of those conditioned beliefs and the generation generational trauma that they carry i think just that it's generational trauma it wasn't yours to begin with you're not faulted this was never your fault you never did anything your existence is not something to be blamed your existence does not make you less of a human being what you're living how you see your life and what you're living today a lot of those ideologies was environment-based. So if it was environment-based, it was probably culturally based. If it was culturally based, it was probably generationally based. And you can still love your culture. You can still love your language. You can still love your religion and still be a good human. 
it, you're not any less than of wanting to choose to heal from what no longer works for you just because collectively your family has chosen to keep on, keep it on because it was a survival instinct. Choose for yourself that you're no longer surviving because you're not in those survival instincts. You know that, like you read the history of that. You're no longer there. You're in a place that all of your ancestors have wanted you to be at. This is what they wanted from themselves. They couldn't do it. Passing on to, you know, their kids. They couldn't do it. So they passed on to you. So though they gave you a lot of generational trauma, they also gave you a lot of generational wisdom to trust yourself because you can feel it. Everybody can feel it. And, and knowing that your child can learn the, from the good of it instead of having experienced it for themselves and knowing that they don't have to heal from you is only going to build that connection that you long for while you're holding them while they're infants. Beautiful. Mm. Let's just let that sink in. <laughs> mm. That was so good. So how can mama start their journey towards healing, obviously getting your program, but aside from that, what else can you recommend for them to do on their own? I love curiosity, genuine curiosity. The one, you know, what I usually say is I'm usually met with mamas who are very full of judgment and full of mm -hmm. opinions. And I love their audacity. And I think that's why I have such a network because I do speak so much truth and I bring in the light and like the sensitivity to it all by being vulnerable and sharing my story. Um, and so I usually recommend like, okay, well, let's be curious about that. Like, why do you feel like this mom is better than you are? Why do you feel like you need this certain product versus what you already have? Me asking those questions allow natural curiosity to happen without them having their inner critic take over, which is probably their inner mother wound to kind of say like, huh, you're right. Like I am doing a good job. And I think um, mamas forget that they need reminders. And when you allow curiosity, you allow questioning to happening. And when you allow questioning to happen, you allow a little bit more self-reflection without you knowing that that's what the formal name is. Um, and then after I'd follow up with journaling, just write whatever thoughts you have. It could be five minutes, one minute. It could be on your phone. It could be in a formal journal. It could be typing it up when you really should be listening to your class. You know, it don't put so much stress on it looking perfect, just that you're trying it. It goes back to being curious. Just try it. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt somebody else. Even if you lie and write down horrible, you know, stories instead of actually your feelings, you wrote something down. You did something you thought you'd never do. I mean, if it's not a true story, you wrote a story. So it came from yeah. someone. You know, it allows you to bring that inner trust that your brain has worked so hard to tell you that you can't do because of the survival tactics that has been enforced by your environment and those that you trusted the most. Um, because that's where you're going to find your voice. And that's where you're going to mm -hmm. find that, like, it's okay to unlearn horrible conditionings that no longer serve me and also allows you to want to learn and bring in the courage to ask for help and ask for what else is out there. Because um, once you get beyond that hump, it makes it so much easier to acknowledge, announce, and practice healing every single day. I love that. I love that you say get curious. I feel like when we're 
in our curious state, there's like no judgment, you know, we're just in such a, we're like in the right side of our brain. We're being creative. We're just kind of like in a kid childlike state. Yep. Right. So I, I love, <laughs> I love yeah. that way of looking at it. Yeah. I know for me, journaling is one thing that I just can't stick with. I used to take a lot of time on like my other social media, like way back in the day when I used to do some like influencer work and I, that would be my journal. I would just be very vulnerable. I kind of share my journey where I was at. And that was my kind of journaling. But when I try to do it on a piece of paper, I try to get so formal and serious with it that I just kill the whole vibe. So I love that you just said that because I feel like when you just have fun with it, yeah, it's not that serious and you'll show up and you'll do it because you're not, there's not this heaviness of expecting something out of it. So such a good reminder. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. For sure. And, and I think the hardest things when people see how serious work is, they realize it's it's stuff that they're already doing. You're already doing mm. it. Your, your body's kept track of that. It just has never really been a like a conscious habit for you to say, like, I enjoy this. Of course you wouldn't enjoy it. Why would you enjoy it? There's no <laughs> way you would enjoy it. Otherwise, it would have been something that you enjoy now. Um, and I do a lot of that rhetoric in my work because there's so much judgment on like, well, I must be a horrible person because of everything I've gone through and where I live. And, um, again, very multi-layered. So it's like in order to get that, you really need to get down to the basis of just be curious because it, it takes away from the judgment and it takes away from like your own self expectations and expectations of others. Um, and again, it's your rules. So once you start learning that you are doing this and you're in the driver's seat, it allows you to kind of walk the line and know that there's so much more on the other side and that it's not always going to be this horrible. Mm, absolutely. I want to touch on another thing that we've talked about briefly in the past 52 minutes. Um, the unbothered mo mother, what exactly does that mean? So that is just challenging that you are not in competition with anybody else that should be a mom to your child. Mm. That's believing in your confidence and believing in your empoweredness and not the perfectionist that you think you should be or what your child believes that you should be. Because that's a comment that I've been told a lot in how I parent. They're like, well, you're a first time mom. You should like, why aren't you more like helicoptery? Like, why aren't you more like, oh no, like something's gonna hor like horribly happen. Like, <gasps> and I'm like, I was, mm. I was for a second. And then I realized like with gentle parenting, I have to trust my daughter and that I did my part for nine and a half months. And that like her personality is her personality. And my role isn't to control what I produced her. My role is to guide her and show her the ropes and trust that she's got everything she needs and that I'm here to support that anyway that's needed. My daughter's pretty strong-willed. So she's pretty unbothered on her own, but unbothered also means curiosity. Unbothered also means being able to be independent. Being unbothered also means being able to trust yourself. Unbothered also means that no matter what anybody's opinion is or whatever they tell you that you should be doing at the end of the day, you get the last day. And that's not a way to, I don't say that in a very like, yeah, like go you like, yeah, like that's what you should be. It's more so like, that's an empowering thing. You, you do get that. That's your right. That's something that you should be believing in. That's, that's a, mm -hmm. something that you should be able to consent 
by yourself to feel wholesome, to feel content, to feel like it aligns with your core values because you, you do deserve to be happy and live in alignment with that free of judgment of others. Um, so back to my daughter, like that's kind of how I raise her. Like if she's happy and she's full and she's, you know, got what she needs, like I'm not going to stop her from jumping off, you know, like a stool, like that's a foot and a half. Like she's wanting to get Mm -hmm. out. That probably means we need to go to the playground later. Um, (laughs) And me not reacting and going like that. It teaches her because she's learning her curiosity. She's learning like, okay, this is fun at like one foot. Two feet, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> and, um, me watching her see that and asking me questions, she'd be like, mama, hold my hand. I don't like this. Um, and other people would be like, wow, like you just seem so like you got this. And it's like, no, I've just gone through a lot and realized that it doesn't always have to be this hard. And really that the scariness of being a mom is more so because I don't trust myself. And once I start trusting yeah. myself and building my own competence and my own consent to how I parent, allowed my daughter to take that from me. Because um, mm. she she knows, like, even if she sees herself going higher, she'll kind of side-eye me. And I'm like, okay, and I'm just going to ignore her and do my thing. She'll come back and be like, mom, that was, like, really scary. I didn't jump. <laughs> And I'm like, well, yeah, I saw, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, I kept an eye on you the whole time. I realized that you even saw that that was too high. And instead of acknowledging and saying that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think that was a really good decision. High five, you know, mm-hmm. and now she's learned. Yeah. She's never going to do that again. She, she's learning to trust herself just as, again, why I started this program with mothering the mother first. Um, once you get there, you kind of get this sense of empowerment that like, you can be unbothered and there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day that's your child and your child only wants you and you only get the name of mom from that child <laughs> absolutely do you think that this came through just doing that inner work and going being in therapy and just kind of healing those parts of yourself that were holding you back from trusting yourself yeah I think it was uh acknowledging that there is a choice and that it's my mm-hmm. choice and that uh, it's going to consistently be that. It's going to be always a choice for me. Um, I've lived so much of my life in others' like shadows and others' expectations of me, and I've given so much of what I thought is what they would prefer, and that was a version of me that didn't really align with knowing that I could choose for myself something different, mm-hmm. even if that meant someone getting upset or in, understanding my role and my responsibilities to self versus responsibilities to others. Um, I think, I think that's kind of the it factor there. I love that. Cause I feel like, you know, sometimes we think there's like a magic potion that we just drink and we just switch on and <laughs> become this whole new person, but we don't like, we can very easily fall back into old habits, old conditioned behavior and ways of thinking but we don't because we're making a conscious choice not to. And that's, that's just it, you know? So I love, I love that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just a lot of your body's learned that it wants to have this like dopamine mix of like, maybe if I don't do it, then I'll get some sort of happiness. And again, it goes back to like, is that really your ideology? Or is that something that you picked on, picked up on? Is that something that was expressed to you in your environment? 
because I doubt you chose to be bad. Mm -hmm. I highly doubt that you (laughs) chose to be naughty one day. I'm pretty sure that was a reinforced ideology that may have been a joke that may have been, you know, just lack of information of what to say, um, lack of adult maturity um, that was around you. But because they were an adult and you're the child, you trusted that. And now that's one of your core values. Like, again, I want, I want to question that because it's like no mom, no dad, no child ever wants to say, I want to have this family be manipulative. I want this family to be awful. I don't think that those are conscious ideas that they want and reinforced. Um, I've never walked into a family home and say, we value manipulation, abuse, and wanting to choose the worst for everyone. So good luck. Like I've never seen that. And I, and I think your inner critic speaks a lot louder when you've been alone for a lot of your life and whether that's mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, um, even if you're around a lot of people. And I say that because that's kind of how it's been for me. I've been around, I have a big family, but a lot of it, all of us have felt very alone in a big family. Um, Mm. Does that answer the question? I feel like I kind of went Yeah. No, 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 it definitely does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are there any, like, I know we already touched on a little bit of, you know, the things that help you stay grounded so you can make those conscious choices to respond instead of react but are there any other practices that you have in the day-to-day that kind of help you remain grounded and to be that gentle parent yeah so one of the exercises I love doing is when my daughter is doing something she's in a toddler phase um I've learned to have this I was like I teach this too in that I feel like a lot of times when people are trying to learn how to ground themselves or learn how to like take a second it doesn't feel like that. It feels a lot harder because they feel like they need something physical in order to feel grounded or feel like they can take a breath. Um, and so I do a lot of strategies that doesn't cost anything and strategies that you can use at any second and you don't really need reminders. One of them is like the five senses. Like you could be so mad, but once you just start using what you already have, it makes it so much easier because your brain just needs to stop focusing on it for a second. And that doesn't mean you're ignoring the emotion. It just means you're allowing the emotion to pass while you're bringing your conscious mind back. Um, Because Mm -hmm. we know with little kids, they don't have um, impulse control and nor do we. Adults, we don't have that either. We don't really have that figured out um, when we're pissed off. When we're in a big, big emotion, whether that's feeling really, really deeply in love or feeling... um, you know, super mad or super sad. Like those are big emotions that our body still doesn't know how to deal with, especially if it's never been acknowledged, which is why a lot of people go now to gentle parenting because they realize like that didn't really work. You know, the authoritative or alternative didn't really work out. Um, And so I just say, okay, what are five things I'm seeing? Okay, I'm seeing the door. I'm seeing, you know, the beige color. Like I'm seeing this or that. And then I'm like, four things that I smell and I start listing it off my daughter's head, um, a pillow that smells really funky. Like once you start enacting your five senses like that, your brain starts dissociating from like what is physically happening without ignoring what's actually happening emotionally. Mm. Once you bring consciousness to that emotion, you're able to be like, I'm just really mad right now. Like, I'm just mad. And that doesn't mean I need to be yelling at this child. Like, does my anger really 
make up for the fact that my daughter didn't want to finish her lunch. No, it did not. Mm-hmm. That was that was me. That was me. That was me because I'm worried and I care and I love her. But that does not mean yeah. that I'm going to take that out. And that's how you manually create that pause when you're mad. Um, so again, then I'll go down the line of like three things that I taste. Usually it's going to involve what's in your mouth. And you're going to be like, that's gross. Which then your brain's already starting to like calm down enough to start having conscious thoughts that are probably more reinforcing what should be happening, which is being able to say like, my anger has nothing to do with you actually not finishing your lunch. It has because it's coming up because I was told that narrative and I care a lot. So a lot of those mixed emotions is me, not Mm. that fact that my daughter didn't want to lunch. And then by the time I go down to one where it's like I'm feeling something or I'm hearing something, I'm usually a lot calmer and I can feel my nervous system stop feeling like my skin's crawling. It feels a little bit more Mm -hmm. calm. I'm talking calmer. I'm able to acknowledge that what happened five minutes ago, like you're not warm, you're cooler. Like you can feel your body, soul, and mind kind of working together. And once you get back down to a level cool, like this is why it's my go-to it's you can't help but the fact that it works every time Mm -hmm. and it's not like you don't need a video to tell you how to calm down you're doing it yourself and that's where you're co-regulating your emotions now and that's something that your child will see and because you've done it for yourself you're not able to show it to your child and teach that for them over time because now you're learning that self-compassion so i do that one a lot the other one I do is I sleep with a weighted blanket. Um, mm-hmm. After a really long day of parenting, my first year was like really tough. I think it is for anybody. Um, I couldn't really sleep. I don't think any parent really sleeps in the first year, but I was able to calm my nervous system. So when I woke up, I wasn't alerted and I didn't feel that fight or flight like emotion what PTSD really of what happened when I was younger in my childhood. Though I didn't wake up with chaos as my first thought. I woke up with more like, and we're up. What are we doing today? Um, Because my body had 12 hours of just weight over me that my body couldn't help, but really, really like it couldn't resist. And having, again, going back to your five senses, like trust them. Like we've learned for a really long time not to trust them. And when you're Mm -hmm. enacting small little things like this, it helps reinforce that your body's doing what it's supposed to be doing and it has been in order to keep you safe. So how do we keep moving forward with that same message in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. So those are the two that I use um, that I can think of at the moment. Um, I think the last one is probably, again, it's, it's reinforcing a narrative that I'm still learning every day, which is that, you know, taking a shower is good. I like, I like the feeling of a warm shower and I like my 10 minutes and um, though a lot of people have said like, Oh, you know, that's more, that's not self-care. That's basic care. And like, and when you come from, you know, when you have had such lack of emotional, um, awareness, it's not the fact that it's a basic need. It's the fact that you're realizing that it's good for you and not just, Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. That's allowed. You're allowed to like showers. You're allowed to like things not just because you need to it's not just a mundane thing 
And when yeah. you small acts like that, um, you're allowing consciousness and mindfulness to flow. And that's where Absolutely. you're going to of gentle parenting and how to reparent yourself. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful how like even the smallest, most mundane things can support us in enacting that and embodying that. Like it's it doesn't have to be so complicated. I feel like before I became a mother and I became a wife, I lived a life of like, I have to meditate for an hour. I have to do yoga all day. I have to like be in this state of like spirituality and mindfulness. And like, I've obviously had to let all of that go. Like even before I became a mom, I feel like you get into a relationship and it becomes more of like a, you know, you're united. You can't, it can't be all like me, 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 me the whole time. So I like slowly had to let that go. And you just realize that you can find those moments of peace and stillness and so many other things other than just in yoga or meditation. And yeah, like a shower, just whatever works for you, whatever feels good to you, whatever helps you get into that state. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Cause no matter what that state is, it's the fact that you're freeing your mind. You're yeah, allowing that to tell me just be. Um, and that's where I think you find happiness. It, mm -hmm. And I think that's why people find it so hard to get to because it's so hard to free yourself from such self-judgment and self-criticism mm -hmm. when that's been such a long part of just in your existence. Um, mm -hmm. And not knowing that you can unlearn a lot of them too. And trust that it will be unlearned. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes to all of that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you feel called to share with all of us today? I think one of your questions was, and I had like three paragraphs for, is like, mm -hmm. that I would love to hear more about your experience as a mother. Yes. And I wanted to elaborate on this because it's been the most connected time of my life to myself because I've been able to find myself mm. not through her, but the fact that I'm a mom, that I'm her mom. Um, it's so overwhelming at times, but I really wouldn't have it any other way because it's showing me so many parts of myself that I shied away from for so long that I thought I could escape um, through just avoidance and learning how to challenge that is the most liberating thing because now I have emotional intelligence that I could have never been able to do on my own. Um, if I would have kept the track of just staying in my emotional trauma and staying in cycling in on what made sense because of that trauma. Um, people say that your health is wealth. And that is so true. I have what I have materialistically because my emotions are on point. I get so much liberations from understanding what my true intentions are because my emotions have learned. I've, I've learned and done the work to trust them and know how to regulate them and understand what it's trying to tell me. Being able to have been my own interpret for self-love through having my daughter is a gift. I think if I much horrible news about what you hear about like first time moms, how horrible the experiences or women who don't want children. And it's like, that's fine. And 
Okay, maybe I don't want you to be a mom because this is a wonderful gift that if I can give to anybody, it's it's priceless. Like I would willingly give this to anybody to be able to find themselves and find true love and with yourself. And it's exactly what you've been, I think all women in your adult life, you're looking for, you're looking for something. And this is the thing that made the most sense that came with the most ease because it helped me make the most difficult decisions in my life in order to choose life and choose to live it. Absolutely beautiful. It's, I've had like a very similar realization, obviously, where we have lived and live completely different lives, but I feel like it truly does open up a door that allows for a type of healing that we can only, I mean, I can't say we can only get to through being a mother, but it's a very, it's like a portal that opens and gives you an opportunity to really heal. And again, I feel like I've definitely found myself through that too and become like this version of myself that I don't think I could have become without her. And I'm not saying that, you know, like you said, it's not through her, but it's just because of her, I just want to be so much better. And I want her to be able to experience life in a way that maybe I didn't get to up until this point. And I'm still trying to kind of, you know, like (laughs) get all so much stuff out of the way so that I can embody more of myself and like my truth. So I just want her to be able to just be that without having to do so much work to kind of get to that. So it's so powerful. And I just, yeah, I honor every mother that's doing the work because it's not easy, but it's it's so worth it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you said it so perfectly there. And and I, that just reminds me, like, I'm so honored to be on your podcast and that you're creating this space for everyone because I know I'm doing that at my angle, but you're also doing it at your angle and, like, having these two opportunities is helping more moms with more resources to know that they're not alone and to know that it is possible and that you are Mm -hmm. just fine the way you are and all these moms will tell you that you're doing great and that you are enough um and i feel like just having these platforms allows that message to be said because of our stories Mm -hmm. and it just can't be said enough sometimes i'm like but everyone like there's already so much out there and i'm like it's just it's never enough It's never enough. I mean, I think, I think that, I mean, I I follow a lot of gentle parenting platforms as I'm sure you do too, but it's, it's almost like if I'm searching for more, there's not enough, you know, like if if there's already (laughs) so much out there and I'm not okay with it, then like, it's okay that there is enough out there because there's something for everybody. And that's something that's kind of a mantra I have to tell myself too, that like, the work I'm doing is similar, but it's my voice and my story that makes it unique. And it's how I tell it mm-hmm. that resonates with somebody else who's wanting to listen in that same tone, in that same um, rhetoric that's different from somebody else, even though it's the same tactics and it's the same um, philosophy. So, mm-hmm. Amen. I'm thankful I for that. <laughs> no, I'm thankful for you. I, I feel like every guest that I've had on after we're done, I'm just like, I just want to go and give you a hug. <laughs> I just feel so connected there's yeah there's such a level of like vulnerability and safety and it just it's so beautiful that you know even though we're so far away get we get still connect in this way and share these emotions and like this sense of community and safety and it's just really beautiful Mm -hmm. and then and I love how 
your platform is allowing more women to find self-love through this journey that they currently already on um, by just listening to you. And, and that's so powerful. That's such a wonderful gift. And I hope you know that. That is such oh, a gift. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm just letting it flow, you know, letting it. It's a vision that came to me and I'm just kind of letting it become what it needs to become and just doing what feels right to me and kind of connecting with those who just, even before I actually know them, I feel so connected to. Like when you first messaged me, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like I don't even need to know you to know. Like there's just energy, you know, energy doesn't need words. So it's, it's awesome. And I'm so grateful that we got to do this. Before we, we finish, I would love for you to tell us where we can connect with you. We can find you. You can find me on Instagram at living philantha. And then you, you can just email me there to living at gmail. Um, and that is also where you're going to find my website. Otherwise, my website is the good and and you'll find a little bit of my story. And when you listen to this, you're going to hear a little bit more of the story. And when you buy the, <laughs> buy the program, you're going to hear like all nine minutes of my story. And it's really <laughs> in-depth and, and it kind of sets you up for your own inner work. And that was pretty strategic. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> but I'm available via like DM at any time. Um, I am happy to talk to you. And if it's 3 a.m. in the morning, because I'm probably up at 3 a.m. in the morning too. And uh, <laughs> seriously, any questions, I'll be there for you. Because being able to create a safe space starts with me being able to host that. So reach mm -hmm. out. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all that you're doing. And I'm so excited to continue to be a part of your journey and to watch everything that you're doing continue to evolve. <laughs> This is where I just want to reach over and give you a hug. I know, right? <laughs> like, we're just so and I just, I love your energy. Please keep it up. And Thank you. Know, you. Thank you. You have a loyal follower. I love everything you're doing. Same here. Same here, sister. Mm. <laughs> All right. Have a beautiful night. <laughs> you too. Wasn't that just such a beautiful conversation? I'm so grateful for her. I'm so grateful that our paths cross and that I was able to get her on the podcast so that she could share all of her wisdom with all of you that are tuning in today. Thank you so much for creating this space for us and allowing us to show up and serve you in whatever way that we can. I hope that this was a good reminder for you that you're not alone in whatever you're going through. And like Philantha said many times that you can be that unbothered mother. You can be that confident woman who trusts herself and her child fully and knows that by giving your child the space to express themselves fully doesn't mean that they're walking all over you. And instead it's just creating a little human that's going to be able to show up in the world so strong and so secure in themselves and that's going to change so many lives and inspire so many by simply showing up and just being them and also that you are capable and you can transform and reframe a perspective on any story that you've been telling yourself or that you have been told about yourself healing begins the moment that we open up ourselves to it Mama, thank you again for being here. I'm so grateful that you joined us for this amazing conversation and I will look forward to catching you on the next episode. I hope you have a beautiful morning, afternoon, night, whatever it may be, make it beautiful.